Welcome to the Virtual Word Rounds, a surgery podcast that helps you answer those burning questions you never had a chance to ask by the bedside. Hello and welcome to the Virtual Word Rounds podcast. My name is Rosie. I'm a third year medical student and your host for today. My co-host is the wonderful Dr. Sergey, general surgeon. How are you today, Serge? Uh, fantastic, Rosie. Uh, very excited about today's episode. It's uh, We've prepared something very special for you guys. We have. Today is a special, as Serge said, kind of episode, because we're going to take a little break from talking about surgery and physiology and medicine. And instead, we're going to discuss how to balance a career in medicine or surgery with maintaining an actual life, something I think we might all enjoy. So to help us break down this somewhat tricky topic, we are joined today by Dr. Massey, a sport, exercise and lifestyle physician, a medical doctor, a health coach and advocate, and a physically active wife and mother of two who runs, skis and also lifts. That's a lot of activities that you're doing, Dr. Massey. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you, Rosie. Serge, thank you for inviting me onto this podcast. I'm really excited to be here and to share some pearls of from experience and um, also from what I've learned doing research with um, your audience. Excellent. So just to kick us off and to um, so our, our listeners can get to know you a little bit, could you give us just a little bit of background into who you are and how you ended up doing what you do? So I'm a sports and exercise physician, and I'm also a lifestyle medicine physician. And yeah. so my primary training was in sports and exercise medicine. And then I added lifestyle medicine onto it because I wanted to have a more holistic approach when talking to patients and helping them out. Uh, sports and exercise medicine is very much musculoskeletal. However, I wanted a really holistic, rounded uh, approach and have the tools to be able to do that. And I also um, went on to do uh, some training as a health coach to be able to empower people to change and to know how to motivate them to change. I've never heard of um, of lifestyle medicine as a specialty. What exactly, is that? Is that where you're prescribing lifestyle changes as medicine or is it something uh, more than that? Yes, exactly. It's about prescribing lifestyle as medicine and it's a fairly new area. Doctors can do the training like medical professionals as well as people outside of medicine. So they've got mm-hmm. different um, qualifications that you can have there. And it's about having a holistic approach to whether it's diseases like diabetes, obesity and stress management, making sure that you're looking at nutrition, being physically active, reducing the risk factors like smoking, for example, and also talks about I'm going to use the word mindset, but it's also, also about changing how people think. Yeah. So that's a big key of it, the health coaching aspect of it. Sounds like an incredibly important part of medicine that all of us in the medical field would probably uh, benefit from knowing more about. So today we're going to talk really about work-life balance and, and what that is and how to balance that. Um I guess I can see how the work that you do really links into helping people understand that everything needs to be kept in balance, you know, what you eat, what you drink, the exercise you do, but also how much you work and how you manage stress, which for medical people is probably a very big, important thing. I thought we could start the conversation today by um, discussing like what work-life balance is and and maybe to make it more tangible for our listeners, what that actually looks like for you or, or some peers or patients or whatever. What does it look like when you have good work-life balance? 
Well, work-life balance is, is subjective. So it depends on the individual, but it's generally a feeling of satisfaction in the areas that are important to you in your life. So, it's, so the way I like to describe it is usually I'm speaking to parents and I say that we have four different roles in our lives. So we got the personal role, the um, professional role, there's the uh, partnering role, if you're in a relationship, and even if you're not, it's an intimate or not intimate relationship, the partnering role. And there's also the parenting role. So those are four different areas that are important to most people in their lives. And when you have balance, you feel that you are actually achieving what you want in those areas, that you're paying attention to each of those areas and you're making progress or you're actually fulfilled. Now, fulfillment is obviously what everyone aspires to. And it's not something where you stay there all the time, even when you reach it, you kind of like dip in and out of it. So, but it's, a, it's about feeling happy that you are spending time in those areas that mean a lot to you personally. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess the opposite of, of feeling in balance is when you're feeling out of balance and those things aren't, you know, you're not feeling fulfilled in all of those categories that are important to you. Do you think there are ways of anticipating or preventing getting out of balance like before you're actually there? Does this take planning and organizing? Absolutely. So what I tend to say is I have like, I use little acronyms, which make it a little bit easier for people to understand. And I talk about having an SOS in all those areas. So you want to have structure, you want to have organization, and you want to have self-care. So those are the things that are in, in those four different areas or so whatever roles you, mm. however you might want to define those roles. The structure is categorizing your life. So not just thinking I'm rosy, for example. You are one person, but there are multiple roles that you have. So you're Rosie the student, you're Rosie maybe the daughter, you're Rosie, no, um, maybe the partner. And I don't think you're Rosie the parent. <laughs> I'm not. I have a dog. I have a dog. Does that count? Yeah, you are a parent. Dogs, children, the parent required for them is the same, <laughs> similar, except for school. But anyway, <laughs> so, so you've got all those different areas. So you want to structure it and just not think of yourself as just one lump. You have these different roles. So you separate those roles. And then you're going to want to have a strategy, uh, which is blocking off time for those areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Often we make schedule our time in, we might schedule a lunch uh, event with a friend however we need to actually schedule that intimate time that you mm -hmm. have with your partner you might have to schedule that time that you have with your parents for example you want to schedule the the professional time schedules itself because you don't turn up to work you don't get paid and there's a whole lot of things so people are pretty good at that part and this is where people fall fall off balance because they're so focused on work and work will consume you if you let it mm. So you need to structure those other things. The And then there's, and if you're studying, you also have to factor in the fact that you'll be studying, for example, studying time, as well as the work time in that professional category. And then in the parenting category, you need to schedule time with your kids because you may live in the same house with them, uh, but you're busy sending them off to school and doing all these things that are caring for them, but you're not actually spending time with them in the way they feel is spending time with them, which is playing. Mm, yeah. Intentional. Block it off. Block off chunks of time. It might start off with 15 minutes, for example, with the kids. It might be 10 minutes with the partner. The professional life will be hours. We know that. And then the <laughs> personal time 
is really, really important because the personal time, which I didn't speak about earlier on, there are five important pillars in that personal time. And it's about making sure you have time to be physically active, uh, to for your body and also for your mind, that physical activity, there's time to be mentally active, which is beginning to train yourself to think in ways that empower you. Because uh, often people have negative self-talk and self-sabotaging things that they do that they don't, don't realize it. Then there's it's about what we eat as well. Mm-hmm. People in medicine, we're often on the go. So which means that people might grab things like a chocolate bar or lollies to keep up the energy or coffee and keep going and not eat anything. We actually need to eat foods that help sustain our energy levels so that we don't mm. dip in and out physically, mentally, and emotionally as happens when you have these sugar rushes. Uh, then you also have to sleep. Sleep mm. is so important. That's part of that personal care of yourself, making sure that you try and prioritize the way possible. And with sleep, it's not just the quantity, it's the quality. So sometimes we can't get the hours because, you know, surgery is so busy on call. So it's about, okay, when I do get that sleep, how do I improve the quality? And then the fifth thing is that social and soulful connection where really the partnerships, parenting and other things fall into place mm. as well. So making time for love, connection with others and connection with yourself. It sounds like I need 56 hours in my day to fit all of that in. I mean, I, uh, I, I really did not appreciate how multifaceted, um, uh, you know, a, a professional uh, human being can be. I think we surgeons perceive ourselves to be very much two-dimensional. We uh, either work or we don't, uh, and the uh, and if we don't work, we fall behind, and so we will need to work a little bit more. <laughs> I think um, I think Serge, I totally agree with you. While Dr. Marcy was talking, then I was thinking, hmm, you got to eat well. No surgeon has time for that. You've got to, you know, drink enough water and not just maintain yourself on caffeine, which is the opposite of what any surgeon I've seen does. You need to sleep, which never happens. You need to balance all of your time. Is this is this sounding like something that's actually achievable in a career in surgery, or are we are we dreaming here if we're trying to say it's okay, guys, you can do all of this? What what are your experiences, Serge? Look, I. I think I think it's probably a, a great thing to aspire to, uh, and as Masi uh, said earlier, I think the balance is very much individual. And I have come across people that are fulfilled uh, being a surgeon ninety five percent of their time, uh, and being able to stuff the rest of their life in the five percent of available time, and they are ultimately. Um, very happy with that setup. Uh, not everyone is going to be happy with that setup. And I'll give you, uh, I'm not sure you know, where my balance is, to be honest, I'm still trying to find it. Uh, and it, it is highly variable uh, on a day-to-day basis. And I'll just give you an example of what my day uh, was like um, just, a, just a few days back. Uh, I started off with a uh, with a round uh, at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, and uh, at eight o'clock in the morning uh, I was in the operating theater, and I had um, a bunch of uh, scopes and a couple of uh, elective um, major cases on that. Uh, the theater staff has rotated to allow for breaks. Uh, they had their coffee, lunch. Uh, an afternoon break, uh, but um, and the anesthetists mm. had someone to relieve them as well. But I kept on working, 
and uh, then we I had two emergency cases uh, at the end of the day, and so I finished at about 8.30, uh, did my evening round and got back uh, at about 9. Uh, and that's the first time I had time to actually have something to drink. Um, and uh, then I had a call in the middle of the night to uh, to come out and examine someone who came in with a, a suspected testicular torsion. So that night uh, was a little bit disturbed as well. And, and that was a good day. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not that, be, it's, it wasn't very busy. Everything was sort of running pretty smoothly and uh, everyone was happy and, and I was happy. I was progressing pretty well. There was no major complications or issues, but there's, I don't know, there's there's little time to think about yourself, let alone care for yourself. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, it, it is the reality. Uh, and, and something does have to give. Uh, not every day is going to be as long or as busy or as arduous as this, but some, some days are going to be even, even more so. Uh, and this is, you know, this is me um, running my own show, uh, having finished training, uh, surgical training in Australia and in the United Kingdom uh, is uh, pretty tame in comparison to surgical training in the States. Uh, but uh, even here, you know, it's one and two, one and three on call, um, 72 hour shifts are still you know, it still exists uh, in some smaller country towns, uh, and your sleep is um, uh, not really, it doesn't really belong to you. Uh, you're always on the leash, and you always can get disturbed and called up from the hospital for any question or issue. And so, yes, it is difficult sometimes, um, but I guess it's no, it's no worse than many other careers. And with good motivation and good planning you can stay physically active and fresh and you can compensate for those times when you're working hard and you're struggling physically and mentally but it does i guess take planning and application and and it takes and it takes good support and you know i'm i'm lucky in that sense because i have very good support at home uh, but uh, it it does it does take more than one person to work on all of that so you've just given us and i mean what sounds to me like a, a massive day and you've said it wasn't that busy you said not every day is that intense though to try and give our listeners some insight into what the the peaks and the and the quieter times look like what does a quiet day look like for you are you still starting at seven and finishing at nine or do you have lunch breaks what does like a, a gentler day look like for a surgeon so, so if there is no operating list on the day and I'm only looking after emergencies, so I would do a round, um, mostly starting fairly early in the morning because most of the registrar's trainees and other staff may have other things to do during the day. If I'm, if, if, if I'm not on call, then the rest of the day is up to me. I can work on my business. I can work on my research. Um, I can go and do something else. I can I can help my wife uh, with uh, with kids or do something around the house. So the day is up is up to me. If I am on call, then I am limited in what I am able to do because I need to be able to get back to the hospital in a rush if something seriously happens. Uh, but it still leaves me with enough time and opportunity to do a lot of the activities 
that are otherwise, um, you know, sitting on my desk or in my in my mind, mm. or or looking after myself. So when I have a list, when I have an operating list, it's a good time. You know, it's mm. it's it's fulfilling, it's rewarding, and it goes very very fast. But I am probably most happy when I am a surgeon and I'm and I'm operating in the operating theater. Uh, but it is still fun to be uh, to be able to to do something else. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a trainee, it's a little bit different because you're tied to a hospital and you uh, generally have more than, you know, a couple of operating lists per week. You probably have uh, four or five operating lists, plus you have clinic commitments, on-call commitments, plus you have your research and study on top of that. So for a, for a trainee, 65, 70 hours of work per week is fairly normal. And that's not counting all of the extracurricular stuff that you uh, uh, maintain on top as part of your professional development. So as Dr. Marcy said earlier, the work really does schedule itself. You don't need to worry too hard about fulfilling that part of your life. That's right. And there's and the work never stops. There's always stuff to do. Exactly. So the other thing that um, I thought about when we were leading up to this episode is how, how many milestones and things happen in your career as not just a surgeon, but in medicine in general, there are constantly reviews and exams and job interviews and new surgeries you're trying to learn how to do. And, and I feel like it just, you know, it builds and builds and builds. Do you think that there is stuff happening? And I'm interested in both of your perspectives here, because you're, you're both working in the, in the medical space. Do you think that we are getting better at giving doctors more time to manage the other pillars of their life that aren't their career? Or are we just talking about it a lot more but not actually doing anything to change that culture? Yeah, I have to say that it depends on the specialty. So, um, for example, in, in sports and exercise medicine, there's a lot more time for that self-care aspect. And um, it also depends on the, the person whether you're willing to prioritize it and actually do something about getting um, the balance compared to accepting what's happened in the past and talking about it, but not actually acting towards it. Because we always have a choice, Mm. regardless of not having a choice in the way the day is structured and what happens at work and what emergencies come up and exams and all those those things. We always have a choice in um, what we do in those situations. And like Serge said, planning, so that you can get a bit of that balance, whether you have those, some little snack foods that you can carry with you. You don't have to go out and have a meal at the mm-hmm. local cafeteria, the hospital cafeteria, because often the food is not that great over there. So you're better off carrying something that you actually want. <laughs> you can carry a bottle of water in theater. You can have a thermos of herbal tea or coffee or tea. I always carry a thermos everywhere I go. So you can put in changes and do what's in within your control. And sorry, I, I did mention when I talked about my SOS, Serge reminded me when you talked about support, I kind of mixed up things a bit there. My SOS is actually that you have to have um, support, organization and self-care because exactly without that support, it becomes very difficult. And when you don't have, and support is actually the key thing that helps stop people from getting into burnout, which we may or may not discuss in this uh, podcast today. So exactly. So it's possible. You have to look at what's within your control. You have to prioritize and you, you really have to be intentional and you realize you have a choice. Mm-hmm. There are lots of things within your control. 
and you're either not taking control because mm. you haven't been shown how to. And often there's a fear, the fear of the repercussions. If you say to this boss, will I fail? Will I not be allowed on the program? Will I be thrown out? There's a lot of that fear, uh, which comes from bullying and, and harassment, which is another topic that you know other people are looking into and dealing with that. It's really also important mm. that there are supervisors and people within your sphere who support you, who are at a higher level, or we have that power in inverted commas. And it's also important that as registrars, students, we support each other because often someone is left speaking out and then other people get scared and they move back into the shadows. They're happy to talk in the background, but it's about standing together as a unit because you're going to be stronger and your voice is going to be louder. So I think it's really important. There's a lot of change that needs to happen in the mind. Those are some very good tips, uh, Masi. Uh, I think I think you're right. I should be able to bring something with me, uh, make sure that I'm hydrated, and that, and those little things they do add up and they do uh, improve my overall well-being and and probably allow me to function better. Uh, and that's uh, those are those are really wonderful little tips. And I think uh, I'll 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 try and and incorporate that in my sort of day-to-day uh, working life. Uh, as far as the sort of surgical training uh, goes, there's been uh, a lot of things on the news uh, recently about uh, bullying and harassment. And also there's a very strong uh, group of uh, women in surgery that has been uh, created and maintained by the college uh, that has been looking at improving uh, some of the lifestyle issues um, specifically for the trainees and, and for female trainees. And things are moving in the right direction, I believe. Uh, certainly um, in the last uh, 10, 15 years, there's been significant reduction in the, in the amount of hours that uh, surgical trainees are allowed to spend uh, in the hospital. And, uh, and there's been a lot, of, a lot of work done on uh, training the supervisors, as Masi said, uh, to, to allow them to recognize uh, and 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 assist the trainee uh, before they reach the point where they struggle professionally, uh, uh, because that is obviously going to impact on the quality of service provided. The culture is also changing. I I, I feel it is changing. I mean, there's still significant pockets of resistance, but the shift is there, and uh, I I believe that in the next. Uh, 10, 15 years, we will see significant improvements uh, in surgery across the board. It sounds like there's, um, you know, systemic change that has to build and grow and kind of develop new habits. Um, but there's also personal change and acceptance and building habits that has to happen to really to really make sure that, that work-life balance can be achieved in surgical training, but also in medical training. And I think that's really empowering. Like for me as a, as a junior medical person, that's, you know, it's really great to know that there are things that I can do for myself. I can make decisions every day that will make my life easier, but I can also support others and be part of a cultural change that will improve it for my generation and generations to come well lifestyle changes is uh, is a lifestyle thing is really a gen z thing isn't it <laughs> it's uh, it's the millennials and and later uh, before before you know in the, in the 20th century uh lifestyle was something that you did after you have 
completed uh, progressing in your career when you've retired <laughs> if you if you could if you could still appreciate it even if you're still alive uh, so to speak <laughs> yeah i think surgeons just keep going till they drop don't they that's right and look look i know quite a few people that uh, that spent all their all their time at work and they and they absolutely love it and mm. they they fulfilled as i said earlier but you know it, it is it is no longer considered to be uh, the way to be. Uh, you don't necessarily need to sacrifice uh, everyone and everything and yourself uh, to the god of surgery uh, to 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 look good in your peers' eyes and and to fulfill you know to fulfill your own purpose. So mm. I think and I think that's a good start. I think so, guys. Any last words of wisdom you'd like to share before we wrap up this episode? I think Rosie, what you said, the future is in good hands. Because you, you re- you're realizing that the changes that you can make yourself and things that you can do to support others in the future to to allow the future generations, yours, yours and the people after you, to have a better health and well-being within medicine. And a few things I want to say is that it may sound overwhelming what I spoke about, about how to, uh, to um, get balance within your life. Fact is the five things that I talked about that are personal care, which are really the the key of the work-life balance. These are things we do every day. You eat every day. You move your body, which is physical activity. It's not having structured exercise at a gym. You do that every day. You sleep every day. Hopefully. You you think every day. You're always thinking and that mental activity is about having more of those empowering thoughts and being intentional. You connect with those that you love and maybe not love, don't love so much every day. So these are just part of day-to-day stuff. It's just about being intentional about what you do. You don't have to spend hours with your family. You can spend, like I said, 10 minutes just to say, I acknowledge you. I know you're there. I love you, you know, um, and I support you. You can spend, for example, physical activity. You're walking around the hospital. You can make it a brisk walk, which really increases the energy levels. Mm. And being physically active increases the energy levels. You can take the stairs instead of the lift. So you can fit it into your day, carry a bag of nuts and some fruit or banana, things that you can eat. Like I said, the bottle of water and things like that. Sleep, it's not the quantity. It's not always in your control, but it's about having measures that help you even wind down. For example, not having the caffeine just before you go to bed. If you want to be alert, there's other ways to be alert. You can do that brisk walking, do a few push-ups over there, calf raises, something simple. And that will energize you as well. And hydration yourself will also energize you. So there are those little things that, that you can do. And it's about not saying, oh, I'm just going to watch Netflix for an hour because I've had a terrible day at work and I just want to switch off. You can switch off without the screen time, which we know can keep people away, awake a little bit. So there's those little, little mm-hmm. things you can do. And the support, yes, that one can be, that's a long road. So it's really, really simple things. And I'm sorry to have overwhelmed everyone and got people fearing that they're burning out as I speak. <laughs> no, we've gone on a journey. It's good. It's good. I think it's really important that we um, that we do break things down to be achievable because, like you said, otherwise things do feel really overwhelming. But, like, carrying a banana, I mean, Serge, you're, you're going to try this next week, right? You're going to carry a banana. You're going to take a bottle of water to surgery. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a banana on me, uh, but I've got a. I've got a bit of broccoli. Even better. There you go. You can snack on that. It's filling. <laughs> Full of fiber. That was sage advice, Marcy. I, I'm really impressed, and uh, thank you very much for that. I think that someone smarter than me uh, told told me once that 
if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after your patients. Uh, and I think that um, there will be tough times during your training, during your career. Uh, you need to pace yourself. You need to know your limits. Uh, and you need to know that your career is not the most important thing in the world. So uh, look after yourself, guys. Um, make sure that you listen to Massey's advice. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of those people around you that support you uh, and you'll be fine. What a wonderful way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Massey, for joining us today. Thank you, Serge, as always. And thank you, listeners. I hope you all pack your banana and a water bottle next time you head to theatre. See you next time. Thank you. Virtual Board Rounds is available wherever you get your podcasts. For updates, follow us on Instagram and Twitter or to send your thoughts, queries, concerns, comments, you can also email us at virtualworldrounds at gmail.com. Until next time, happy studies.